This podcast may contain content that is graphic and disturbing in nature. Listener discretion is advised. The girl that you can hear singing comes from an African tribe who live in Ethiopia. She is considered to be one of the lucky ones who made it through her childhood. Due to long-held beliefs, some babies are said to carry a curse which may affect the prosperity of the tribe. Sickness, drought and hunger may befall the tribe, caused by these so-called cursed babies. And the only way to protect the tribe is to kill these babies after birth. This is Apple for the Teacher. I'm your host, Anna Thomas. Today's episode is called The Mingi Curse. The babies were said to be cursed. So what happened to them? In the south of the African country of Ethiopia is a region called the Omo Valley. It has a harsh semi-arid climate, mostly made up of dry savanna and grasslands. After the discovery of human fossils dating back 2 million years, the Omo Valley was declared a UNESCO World Heritage Site for its fundamental importance to the study of human evolution. It's been referred to by National Geographic as Africa's last frontier. There are eight tribes that live in this area, with a total population of somewhere around 200,000 people. It's considered to be one of the poorest regions in Africa. There is very limited contact with the outside world, due to its extreme remoteness. It's approximately a seven-hour drive to the nearest town over rough, potholed roads. The tribes who live there are dependent on the Omo River, which snakes its way through the valley. This river is 470 miles long and is important to the tribes which live along its banks. One of these tribes call themselves the Kara tribe. They number somewhere between 1,000 to 1,500 people and have no written language. The Kara rely on growing their own crops, such as sorghum, maize, beans, and also raise livestock. Cattle, goats, and sheep are vital to the tribe's livelihood, producing blood, milk, meat, and hides. Cattle are highly valued and used in payment for bride wealth. Due to low rainfall, When it does rain, the tribe's people see this as a gift from God. There is no electricity or running water in the village, and therefore disease and illness is common. The village is made up of cone-shaped huts, constructed by weaving wooden poles together, which are then covered with mud. The roofs are made of straw. Large families live together in these huts. In the Kara, everyone contributes to the prosperity of the tribe, including the children. Boys herd the goats and cattle, and more boys means the ability to have larger herds and therefore more wealth. 
One family living in the Kara tribe were delighted when a baby boy was born into their family, but little did they know of the impact he would have to their tribe. They named him Lale Labuko. He grew up, as all the children did, helping with the livestock. And then when he reached nine years of age, something happened which would change the course of his life. Missionaries came to visit the Kara tribe, and they spoke about education and the importance of sending children to school. The Kara knew nothing about this concept of education. They really had no knowledge of what existed outside the confines of their tribal lands. But over time, the missionaries slowly gained their trust, and some families considered allowing their children to go to school, although most were dead against it, as the children were important to the prosperity of the tribe. The parents of nine-year-old Lale eventually agreed, but this decision was met with much criticism from the other tribe members. His parents were insulted, being told that it was against the core principles of their culture. However, they didn't concede to the pressure, and Lale then embarked on a life-changing experience. But it wasn't going to be easy. The first hurdle was for him to actually get to the school, which was some 70 miles away. Lale and the other children, whose parents also agreed, had to make their own way there, which was on foot. So there they were, these young children walking to this unknown place, unaware of what was waiting for them. And in fact, some of the children didn't make it. The walk was just too long, and some gave up and returned home. But not Lale. He kept going. Something was urging him on. One can only imagine the trepidation. These kids knew nothing of the outside world. But Lale eventually made it, and he became one of the first children from the Kara tribe to go to school. When the school vacation arrived, he would then walk back to his village. His family and the other tribe's people noticed a change in Lale. While the other children were attending to their chores, he would be seen reading books from school and writing with pen and paper, something never seen in the tribe. Many viewed this very wearily, but Lale's father kept to his guns, saying, I saw how smart my son was, but the elders were against him going to school. I went against the elders. It was then when Lale was 15 that he returned home for the school vacation, and this was when he witnessed something which was to have a profound effect on his life. One day he heard a woman screaming and saw that she was holding her two-year-old child who was also crying. There were men trying to take the child away from her, but she was resisting. They eventually removed the child from her clutches, and she watched, very distraught, as they took her away. So he decided to follow the men without being seen, and watched as they drowned the child in the river. Lale was very confused by this. He hadn't witnessed behaviour like this before. So he decided to ask his mother about it. She then sat him down and told him something about his tribe, which he had never known about, which shocked him to his core. She told him that the baby was taken away from its mother because it had a curse, which had the potential to threaten the lives of his family and the rest of the tribe. 
the curse had a name. It was called the Mingi Curse. She proceeded to tell him that the Mingi Curse had been affecting the tribe for generations, causing sickness, drought, hunger and death. Therefore, such babies had to be killed in order to protect the tribe. She explained that there were four main factors that could lead to babies carrying the curse. The first was called girl mingi. For a couple to be able to marry, they must provide dowries, which are often too expensive, and therefore many couples remain unwed. But if the woman gets pregnant out of wedlock, that baby is considered to have the mingi curse, and it will be killed after birth. The second type of mingi was the woman mingi. Before a married couple can have a baby, they must ask the elders for permission, and then at three separate occasions during the pregnancy, the woman must receive blessings from the elders. If the couple miss any of these blessings, then the baby is considered to have the mingi curse. The third type of mingi was the teeth mingi. Usually, a baby will develop its bottom teeth first, but if a baby starts growing top teeth first, it is considered to have the curse. A chipped baby tooth can also signify the curse. And lastly, a woman giving birth to twins may also have the babies considered to be carrying the curse. Babies considered to be infected with the curse will be killed in a variety of ways, They can be drowned in the Omo River or left to die in the bush away from the tribe. Another method is strangulation by rope. Some are even kept in the family's hut, deprived of water and food until they die of starvation. Another method is to place dirt into the baby's mouth until it dies. After the death of a Mengi child, the mother would be taken to a wooden structure in the village called the Mengi Gate. There, all of her clothes would be burnt and her body would be cleansed so that there are no remains left of the curse. So Lale listened to his mother, shocked at what he was hearing. But as if all of this wasn't enough, what Lale was told next was simply inconceivable. His mother told him that before he was born, They had two other daughters, both who were killed, believed to be carrying the Mingi curse. Lale then ached for the sisters he never knew. Lale never forgot that conversation with his mother. He recalls, My mother said, Lale, my son, don't cry. One day you're going to kill your child. Your friend is going to kill their child. And I said, One day... If I'm strong, I'm going to save these children's lives. So after learning all about the Mingi, Lale couldn't believe that this practice had been occurring all throughout his life, but obviously under secrecy, as he had never witnessed it himself. He considered it as brutal and tried to tell his parents that it was wrong, that there was nothing wrong with these babies. Perhaps the education he had received by that point allowed him to form this view. Whatever the case, he felt strongly that the practice should be stopped. As he continued his schooling, the Mingi was never far from his thoughts. 
So Lale continued going to school year after year, returning to his tribe each vacation, and then came the day when he was rewarded for all of his efforts graduating high school. After graduating, Lale decided that he wanted to become a teacher and enrolled at a teacher training institute. Upon completion, he knew exactly where his life would head next. He said, Always, it's in my mind, one day I'm going to challenge the elders. I'm going to save these children's lives. If we end Mingi practice, that means we save the whole generation. As part of his plan, Lale decided to create a documentary in order to bring awareness to the Mingi practice, and here he is introducing himself and his Kara tribe. Uh, my name is Lale Labuko. I'm from the Omo Valley. I love uh, my people. The Kara people, they are very isolated from the world. They have no money, there is no electricity. They don't know about the world. They think just them and the other tribe. That's their world. The Kara people are not bad people. They are very good people. They have a great hospitality. Even if you don't have, you can go and eat with other family. As somebody have no family, orphan can live with other family because we live together as a group. It's like really social life and completely different from the Western world. So over time, he slowly started talking with his people, trying to explain that Mingi was wrong, that these children were just normal children, that there was no such thing as a curse, all the while knowing it wasn't going to be easy to stop such an entrenched practice. But he thought the best plan was to start with the young people, saying to them, our future depends on us. As young people, we have to work together to change these people, to change the Omo. So he slowly chipped away, but of course the elders were much opposed to what he was saying, making comments such as, Lale comes here, he is educated, but he cannot stop the Mingi curse. Ending Mingi is against our culture. But Lale did manage to start people at least questioning the Mingi practice. In one case, there was a couple who had had a baby before they had married, so this baby was considered to be girl Mingi, conceived out of wedlock. And coincidentally, around the same time that this baby had been born, Lale had also been born. Now this couple see that Lale had been spared from death, yet their own child had been killed. So they look at Lale, thinking about their own son, who never got the chance to live. So Lale continued with his efforts to change generational held beliefs, 
while also eventually getting married himself. He had met a girl while studying who was also training to be a teacher, and Lale tried to pursue her, but she was already engaged to be married. It was tradition to marry within your own tribe, but this girl lived in another tribe. However, Lale wasn't deterred, and he eventually wore her down, and she finally agreed that she liked Lale more than her fiancé, and they eventually married. She came from a tribe which didn't practice Mingi, and it was only after the birth of their first child that Lale explained to her all about the Mingi curse. He told her that if their child developed its top teeth first, it would be killed in the Kara tribe. But because they lived in town, the baby wasn't in any danger. She too was shocked by the practice, and together they decided they wanted to do something for the cursed Kara children. It was then one day when Lale was in his village that he heard about an unmarried girl who was pregnant. There was no question that her baby would be killed when born. But that's when a thought came to Lale. Could he ask the girl to give her baby to him and his wife to adopt after its birth? First, Lale spoke to his wife, Gibo, and without hesitation, she agreed. So Lale returned to the village, speaking with the girl's parents, but of course they were scared to earn the wrath of the elders. Her father said, My daughter will be cursed. It's just too new of an idea. I can't take the risk. Lale told them he understood their trepidation and said maybe they may be willing to reconsider the option if the girl was to be pregnant again. They agreed that it could be a possibility in the future. So as seen in this case, Lale was slowly starting to gain trust and planting the seeds within his village. It was then one day that Lale was alerted to an incident that had occurred in his tribe. A married couple had given birth to a child who went on to develop its top teeth before its bottom teeth. The parents knew full well that the child would be killed. However, they made a risky decision to keep the child's teeth a secret from the elders. Perhaps Lale's words had impacted them. However, it was very difficult to keep this kind of a secret, but they managed to do this until the child was two years old, and then the elders eventually found out. The father was determined to protect his child, pulling a gun on the men who came to take her. He threatened to shoot them if they took his daughter. This was quite a brazen act to stand up to the elders in this way. But the child's father knew they would be back and that they could never live in peace anymore. So the family decided to move and live on the opposite side of the river. They moved their belongings in a canoe. It wasn't long before someone informed Lale of what had happened, and he visited the family. As he had done before, he offered to adopt the child as his own, and the parents agreed. After that, Lale and his wife rescued three more children. But of course, they realised they couldn't keep rescuing these children indefinitely, and that's when another idea was born. They decided to build an orphanage which would rescue Mingi children and give them a home for the rest of their childhood. This took much campaigning 
and raising of money, but the home was eventually built about 15 years ago. It was named Omo Hope Orphanage. Money was always an issue and it ran mostly on volunteers, but it continued nevertheless. Lale then ramped up his campaign to end the Mingi practice. He had meetings with the government, who visited the village and informed the tribe that the Mingi practice was against the law. Lale knew this move to involve the government was risky, that the elders would see him as a traitor, but he was not deterred. He was faced with comments from the elders such as this one. Everything has changed. Education has come. New things have come. The government and people like Lale are telling us that Mengi is wrong. Who are they? They cannot protect us. Lale's father was also nervous for his son. He was afraid a curse would befall their family. He said to Lale, Why are you doing this? Is it good for you? Is it good for our family? Lale replied, Dad, you sent me to school because the elders didn't decide that. You were different from them. So now it's my time. I have to be different. This had a profound effect on his father and he realised his son was right and from that day on he decided to support his son to help bring an end to the Mingi practice. But of course, this did not go down well with the elders. They came to his house, threatening to burn it down. They also threatened that they would kill Lale. But his father continued talking to the village people and slowly he began changing minds. One man mentioned that he had met people from other tribes who considered the Kara to be child killers. They had no idea that they were perceived this way. More and more people came on board to speak up against the Mingi. But for some, such traditions were so ingrained, as this young woman showed. I follow all the decisions the elders make. They are like our fathers. As young people, we obey them. That is the way it is. Every cursed child needs to be removed. I accept it as part of our culture. That is the way it has been for a long time. I'm not going to keep a Mingi child. I would rather kill it to protect my people. Why would I bring disaster to my land? During my pregnancy, I knew that one day my child was going to be killed. No one wants a Mingi child. My mother was angry with me. When I gave birth, my mother was not there. I just left the baby on the ground. If we keep Mingi children then all of the elders will die. I was raised to keep my people and traditions safe. Many women felt the same way. Some killed multiple children. I read one example of a woman who had killed 12 of her own children, but she didn't feel any remorse. Despite the threats against him, Lale stepped up his campaign and decided to convene a meeting with the elders. During their discussion, one elder said, You know, in our culture, they say, if you farm the land, monkeys, they sneak and steal the corn. The first time, you say, oh, there is a monkey. But second time, if the monkey come, you must kill it. Lale, you saved six children. So first time, you steal these children from us. But next time, if you try to save the children, we will kill you. And Lale replied, 
I'm your child, not a monkey. But I listen to you. I respect your warning. After this meeting, Lale thought long and hard about how he could change their minds. And that's when he came up with the idea of taking the children that he had rescued back to the village to show that the kids were healthy and not cursed. Of course, he knew this was a huge risk, that they could possibly take the children away from him. The reaction to the children was mixed. Some didn't want to go anywhere near them, saying that they would bring a curse back to the village. However, some noticed how beautiful the children looked. They looked healthy and normal. They were beginning to feel that Lale was right. There didn't seem to be anything wrong with the children. And quite miraculously, some even declared that from that day, they would never kill another child. Many also said they would give their future Mingi children to Lale. However, the situation soon turned tense. Word got back to Lale that if he didn't leave with the children in five minutes, the elders would come and kill them right in front of him. Lale was courageous, but not a fool and so he left with the children immediately. It was then in 2011 when the situation in the Kara tribe came to a head. Lale put all his fears aside and decided on making one last effort to finally bring the Mingi practice to an end. He called another meeting between the Kara elders and the government. This meeting was filmed and can be viewed in his documentary called Oh My Child, The River and the Bush. The meeting takes place in a spot in the village under an area of sparse trees. The elders are seated, listening to a government official who tells them that it's against the law in Ethiopia to kill anyone, men, women, children or babies. They are informed that any further killing of children would result in arrest. But the elders remained resolute threatening an all-out war against the government if they attempted to arrest anyone. The Kara were a tribe who owned rifles, and they said that they would use them if necessary. Lale then decided to try a new tactic. He convened another meeting without the presence of the government and only invited the elders, the men and the young men of the tribe. He knew the situation was volatile, but hoped the cameras filming would ensure their safety. And here is the actual audio of what Lale said. I'm speaking to you, young people. It's you young men who are getting girls pregnant. I'm telling you, I can't take any more children. It's too hard. Everyone knows that Mingi is wrong. I've been teaching about this for four years. Now, if you make a girl pregnant, it's your problem. It's not my problem. Please, elders, what can we do? Things will only get more difficult. Now I will open the floor to debate. One of the elders then replied, Do you think this generation of Kara is good? You are bad, Kara. Kara people used to be able to keep a secret. Now we're a bunch of loudmouths. I can't trust this generation. We used to have meetings about our farming and cattle. Now it's always about P. 
penises and vaginas. You say you don't have space for these children. But in my culture, I have to kill them. What can we do? Other tribes ended Mingi in their own way. So we must end it in Akara way. I'm sick of it. Another elder came forward addressing the young men of the tribe. The boys are sneaking like hyenas looking for girls. After he's found her and had sex with her, he gets her pregnant and leaves her. If you have any solutions, please bring them up. The meeting continued to escalate and this audio captures the anger of another elder. I'm tired of this. The issue of Mingi is taking over my life. Our people are facing serious hunger. As a Kara elder, I'm responsible for all of these issues. I like Lale's ideas, but you elders must speak the truth. What are we doing? Why are we killing lives? Is there anyone here who wants to kill a child? We need to tell everyone, as loud as a machine gun. You have to invite the women, the girls and the boys. Tell everyone what you decide. Can we make a decision for our people? And those listening say yes. For our future, yes. Let us vote. Over the coming months, the elders held numerous meetings to discuss the Mingi situation. And of course, there was much heated debate. But finally, after years and years of campaigning, Lale had achieved his goal. The elders made an announcement that they had agreed to end the Mingi killings once and for all. They declared that the official end of the Mingi would be on the 12th of July, 2012. One elder said, As a Kara tribe, we realised the Mingi practice was harming us. We had to make a decision for the future of our tribe. When the fateful day arrived, the whole tribe gathered at the Mingi gate for the ceremony to end the Mingi practice. A fire was lit and a lamb was slaughtered as a symbol of the cleansing of sin. The head elder then stated that if anyone kills a child from that time on, they would have the Mingi curse on them. While the lamb is roasting, he proclaims the end of Mingi. Our ancestors were wrong. We were also wrong. Bless you and this land. The people repeat, bless. Mingi, go away. The people repeat, go away. Never again. Never. Mingi practice, die. Die. God pour blessings. Yes. When he stated God pour blessings, he was asking God to send rain to bless their decision. Rain would signify that God has blessed their decision to end the Mingi practice. The people then prayed for rain. This ceremony was filmed as part of Lale's documentary, and after it was finished, the people left the ceremony area. And within five minutes, something miraculous happened. Lale describes it here. Right after five minutes, I see the rain. There is really the spiritual there. 
and you can see that how the rain is coming now after they stop everything. This is amazing. The proclamation to end Mingi was clearly a momentous occasion in the history of the Kara tribe, but the proof would be in the pudding, so to speak. And to their credit, the first Mingi child born after the proclamation did not meet the fate of so many before. One of the elders said, Now we see Mingi are healthy and no curse happens to their family. We did it our own way. We did the right thing. We are all happy it has ended. Now we can be strong. In the years that followed the end of Mingi, Lale's organisation, Omo Child, continued to provide food, shelter and education to the rescued Mingi children. But his work to end Mingi was still not yet over, as there were other tribes in the Omo Valley that continued the practice. Omo Child continued talking to these tribes' elders, mothers, young adults and government officials, educating and advocating for the end of Mingi. It was then in 2020, just three years ago, that Lale succeeded in another of his ventures. Lale and his organisation were able to raise enough funds to build a primary school on the same site as the orphanage. The school started with an enrolment of 25 Mingi children and also 200 children from the local area although many more families wanted to enrol, but they just didn't have the space. So the organisation continues today to work to raise funds and to build more classrooms and increase their intake of children. Then in 2021, much to Lale's despair, Omo Child was forced to rescue another Mingi child, making a total of 52 children who had had their lives spared to date. A mother was about to give birth to twins, but she was banished from her tribe to give birth in the bush with the expectation that she would leave the babies there to die. This information was relayed to the authorities and thankfully both baby girls were rescued and taken with their mother to a medical clinic. However, when people from her village found out, they went to the clinic and demanded that she returned to their village but without the babies. So this mother left her girls and they were placed in the care of the authorities. However, very sadly, one of the little girls didn't survive. Eventually, Lale was informed about the baby and she became yet another child who was taken under the care of his organisation. They named her Medsonat, which translates to happy comfort. They came up with this name because they were so happy to have been able to rescue this baby and hope she had been comforted after the loss of her mother and sister. If you'd like to support Omo Child, you can go to their website and make a donation or even sponsor a child. They have the photos and information about all of the children which have been rescued and there you will see little happy comfort. And also another girl who has a very interesting story. Lale had been in his village when he came across a baby who was emaciated and who had been left to die. This child wasn't left out in the bush, but was still within the family. They didn't give her any water or food, and Lale found her after being left for two weeks to die. There is a photo of this poor child, but after being taken to Omo Child, 
the child thrived, and I saw a photo of her when she was two years old. Her name is Tenzai. Now, when I was looking at all of the photos of the children on the website, I noticed an eight-year-old girl with the same name. This was the same girl who had been left for dead as a baby. Isn't that just remarkable? What a story, the power of education, the power of one single man to make such a difference in the world. I just admire him more than any celebrity. And only Lale could have ended Mingi. He had the respect of his tribe. He wasn't an outsider telling them what to do and criticising them. It really was amazing that he was able to change something that had existed for so long and in a relatively short period of time. And what about his father? Such an amazing man. Someone totally isolated from the outside world, yet he agreed to allow his son to go to school. Certainly, you can see that this man can be called a very wise elder. And although the Mingi practice was inherently cruel in the unnecessary killing of children, the result of this was that the Kara tribe were declining in numbers. So for the future of the tribe, this was an added reason to stop the practice. But part of me still wants these traditional tribes to be left alone, to live as they have for generations without influence from the Western world. But then it's a difficult situation because their culture killed babies unnecessarily. So if they are left alone, that would continue. So should the outside world interfere? It's a very difficult question. Now, this documentary that he made, I was able to watch it on Amazon Prime. Now, I can't find it on YouTube, although there are small parts of the documentary that you can find. Now, before I end this episode, I just wanted to talk about how I did this episode because it was done differently than what I normally do. And I just wonder whether you noticed any difference between this episode and my other episodes. The big difference was that this time I decided to keep in all of my breathing. So normally what I would do is to actually edit out every single breath that I take. So in the more than 200 episodes that I've done, every single one had the breaths removed. And this is the first one that I didn't. So I just wanted to ask you what your impression was, whether you noticed there was a difference, whether you noticed that I had taken out the breaths, and what your impression of the episode was. Is it better to take the breaths out or is it better to keep the breaths in? So just give me some feedback about what you think of the episode. Now, it certainly cuts down the editing time by a great deal, not having to take all the breaths out. So it just means that I can get episodes completed much more quickly and therefore released much more quickly because I'm not taking all of that time with taking out all of the breathing. So I just thought I would share that with you and just let me know what you think, whether you think it's necessary to take them out or just keep them in. Um, But I just thought I would give it a try and see how it sounded. Now, I'd also like to let you know that Apple for the Teacher podcast is now on Patreon. People have asked me about this over the four years of the podcast, so I finally got around to it. There are three tiers of membership with bonus episodes for members, which are for Patreon only, 
and also other extra content. So if you'd like to join, just head over to Patreon and search for Apple for the Teacher podcast. Although I find it totally bizarre that people would want to pay to listen to my voice. But if you'd like to, then you can become a member. Thank you to the people who have already joined. It has made me feel quite special. So thank you very much for your support. And to finish this episode, I thought I would give you a quote from the famous Russian novelist and philosopher Fyodor Dostoevsky. He said, The soul is healed by being with children. Bye for now and remember to be a good apple.